I didn't think we were going to make it. I didn't think we were going to make it, but Football Friday Late Edition is here. It's your host, Vince, and I am excited to be here. We have plenty to get to, a lot of movements in the NFL, and we got some rumors and what have you, and I got a take on uh, the Pac-12 again. I'm not excited about them and their dragging of their feet. But the first and foremost thing that we're going to do is uh, tell you why we have an elite edition football Friday. That's what we'll talk about first. One, we had a plumbing issue in the house. Two, I, for two hours, struggled mightily. With these said plumbing issues. Three. We had to call in. Somebody who had. A lot more expertise. Than I had. So. How the scoreboard goes. Plumbing one. Vince Nada. Didn't work out for your boy today. But you know what. We get dubs. On this podcast. Because all we do. Is bring a ton of of heat that's right air horns all day we still bringing heat we still doing it so again it's been a rough day for your boy what i'm actually gonna do this is gonna be a weird podcast because we are not gonna edit whatever happens on this podcast will happen so it might be a little rough it might be a little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It might be a little gritty, this podcast. But we proceed to give you what you need on an everyday basis. And right now, it's Football Friday. And it's time to start the pod. Happy Football Friday to you and yours. And here is the news of the week. And we have some things that we need to talk about. First and foremost, one, J.J. Watt got that back. He was looking for $16 million. He got a little less than $16 million, But he got two years, $31.5 million from the Arizona Cardinals. Congratulations to J.J. Watt on getting that serious bag of cash. That's what we talking about. Get your dollars straight. And he did. He did sign with the Arizona Cardinals for that amount of money. I wouldn't have believed it myself if I didn't see it. I just didn't think he was worth that type of money coming off the three years of injury history he had. And, um... Now, here's the other thing with this big deal. J.J. Watt is in Arizona. DeAndre Hopkins is in Arizona. I wonder what Deshaun Watson is thinking right about now. Man, he must feel super lonely. He must feel completely 
alienated. All his boys are gone. Team is trash right now. He doesn't trust anybody. And we'll get to him a little later. So that's what's going on with J.J. Watt. 31.5 million. Two years. Arizona Cardinals. He'll be on the other side of Chandler Jones. And I can't wait to see it. Or Hassan Riddick. Who knows? That cap hit for Chandler Jones is pretty big. And I got some news on what some very inside people are talking about. What it's going to look like for the next couple weeks in the NFL. Okay, here's a list of cuts that have happened. Kyle Van Noy got cut by the Miami Dolphins after signing a four-year deal last offseason. He's gone in Miami. So my man was there to bring a little of the Patriots way, you know, with Coach Flores to kind of show the guys the way. Unfortunately, you know, with injury and just the haphazard type of season it was, Van Noy's production went down and they cut him. They, listen, this cap situation is no joke. It's not going up as people had, had perceived it to be you know, before the whole COVID thing happened. Now we got to deal with less cap. So we're going to see a lot of people on unemployment line. Kyle Rudolph, the longtime Viking tight end, he was also cut. So he gave nine years to the Vikings and now he is a free agent and there are a lot of teams after him. Patriots are one. Um, I heard some things about the Bears as well. I wouldn't see the Green Bay Packers getting in on that deal, and we'll explain why a little bit later. But there's going to be several teams looking at Kyle Rudolph of the former Minnesota Vikings. Golden Tate, the wide receiver from the New York Giants. Sorry about that. We will not edit. He was also cut. An injury plague season cost him probably keeping on with the team. I'm sure they asked him to take a pay cut. Golden Tate said nope. And now he is also looking for work. And we'll see what his market is on the free agent market in two weeks. Longtime Raider, Las Vegas Raider Gabe Jackson, guard, offensive guard, got cut as well. Um, You know, this is just what you're going to see. You're going to see a lot of cuts. This is what it's all about. But the good thing is, is that with these guys being cut two weeks before real free agency starts, you're going to have some signings here and there or whatever. But when the new league year starts, you're going to see a plethora of moves when it comes to free agency. Now, there are some teams that have some cap space, and we'll talk about them a little bit later. But a lot of the moves will come when the cap is actually set at $180 million, $180 million dollars now also Jared Cook of the New Orleans Saints was also cut as well now here's the thing the New Orleans Saints are waving a clear sign down in the bayou okay the Saints cut four players other than other than Cook so they have a massive cap situation they have to Lose $61 million to get underneath the cap. By far, it's the worst cap situation in the league. 
And with that being said, this is where it comes into play. There was a head coach. Um, I'm not reporting this, but I have some people on the ground that are reporting this, that a coach who would like to stay off the record said the next two weeks are going to be a complete massacre. You're going to see so many big names, names that you know, names that you recognize getting cut because they got to get under the cap. So here's the thing. Right now, as we speak, there are 16 teams who are in difficult cap situations. Of the 16 teams, nine of them are over the cap. Of those nine, five teams have at least $20 million to pare down. There are some in worse positions, like the Saints, $61 million. How you doing? The teams in cap hell, okay? The Saints, the Rams, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Falcons. They're all $20 million or above. Every last one of those teams. So, they got to have some very cool accounting situation going on in the next couple weeks to get that cap situation squared away. Green Bay has already waved the white flag as far as it comes to free agency is concerned. They said they will not be active in free agency. Take that, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers must feel like he's in some toxic relationship where the girl or the guy, depending on who is listening to this podcast, just treats him terrible. Last year, first round pick, not wide receiver, not tight end, not offensive guard or tackle, but quarterback. And this year, even before free agency gets going, even before we even heat up, Green Bay says, nah, we're good. We're not doing free agency. We pass. Sorry, Aaron, we can't make any significant upgrades this year. You're going to have to make do with what you got. Due to cap constraints. Okay? You're going to have to make do, Aaron, with what you got. So deal with that. We also got some more excuses for you. We also are going to blame COVID-19 for our inability to spend money this year as well. We're also going to blame the saving and loan industry for not being able to be active on the free agent market, Aaron. We're also going to blame pesky climate change as one of our reasons that we cannot spend money on the cap, Mr. Rogers. This not being a leap year is also really handcuffing us, Aaron, to do anything during free agency. <laughs> oh, and I guess my last one that I even love is that the player personnel person for the Green Bay Packers still uh, swooning after that tough breakup in high school 
with the girl that spurned him on. It's hard to do my job, Aaron. I'm still having emotional scars from Brenda Russell when I was in the 11th grade. Boy, that ripped me up. You guys time to sit down and talk about it? Oh, yeah, by the way, we're not going to be able to spend money in free agency also because of that as well, Aaron. Green Bay. Green Bay is just like that, you know, you see that couple and, you know, one person is like really great, you know, and you're kind of going like, yeah, man, that, you know, I can get down with that person. You know, we can go out, you know, and have some coffee, you know, share some good times or whatever the case may be, right? And then you look at the significant other and you're just going like, why is this person with them? I bet you Aaron Rodgers is feeling the same way right now. To run down the list of excuses that the Green Bay Packers had for Aaron Rodgers again. Cap constraints. $11 million over the cap. We also combined that with COVID-19. The savings and loan industry had a part to play in the inability of Green Bay making any moves during free agency. It not being a leap year also affected the chances of Aaron Rodgers getting a wide receiver. And the player personnel guy is still opining for his 11th grade sweetheart that spurned him at the dance. The emotional scars are too much for him to deal with. So he's not going to be able to pick up the phone and call agents and see what he can do to get Aaron Rodgers some help in Green Bay. <laughs> Green Bay fans, tell me what you think of your offseason or your lack of offseason. Hit me up on Twitter, QPP Network, on Instagram and Facebook. It's Question Point Pod Network. <laughs> COVID-19. <laughs> Statements and loan industry. That's classic. Onto the sunnier side of the street. We're not a very, you know, downtrodden podcast. We try to give you love. There are seven teams in the NFL that have $40 million plus to spend in free agency. Two teams that I trust not to spend money like drunken sailors are the Indianapolis Colts and Chris Ballard, that player personnel guru who gets it done in the draft, he won't go crazy in free agency. He won't make dumb decisions. And the other guy is the hoodie himself. Bill Belichick has $68 million. And if he cuts a couple guys, he can get it up to like $85 million to spend as judicious as he wants. Because that's what the hoodie does. He might, hell, he might split that up between like 10 players. You never know. Bill might just come with a completely different team next year. Because he had like $80 million to spend in cap room. He's like, shoot, I haven't seen this in a minute. I don't even know what to do with this. This is going to be great. Nickel and Diamond, Bud Dupree. Hey, bud, 
we're not going to give you $12 million. How about taking a Patriot discount and doing it, doing us a solid and coming in and playing for $8 million? I got six rings to show for it, but it's going to be all right. $8 million is going to be all right. Plus, you're going to have all the free beers in Boston you want as soon as we win a Super Bowl. <laughs> the hoodie. Contract negotiations. Going to be great. Agent comes in. All right. All right, Bill. My uh, my top fight, Edge Rusher, is looking for about $12.5 million a season annual. Well, you know, here in New England, we we can't do that. Well, sure you can, Bill. You got $68 plus million to spend. Well, you know, we, we build our team a different way here. Um, there's some stuff that goes on. Here, you have to take less so we can build more and have a championship opportunity. That's what you're coming here for, right? Agent like, no, nah, dog, we want the cash, bro, and we want the cash now. Bill does something with the hoodie. He adjusts it. All of a sudden, that edge rusher that was barking about 20, uh, $12.5 million is signing for 9.3 and spouting Patriots way propaganda all the way to the bank and is 9.3 telling you it's going to be crazy in a couple weeks. Indy has 44 million. Denver has 43 million and I have no idea how Elway is going to spend that money. Here's one thing that I do know. Elway will be looking for another quarterback. And I'm going to tell you how that's going to go. Elway. We need another quarterback. Scouts and front office people. What about Locke? Elway. He isn't me. Scouts in front office again. No one is you, sir. Elway. We need a vet. You know, like, that guy we got before, Peyton Manning? He made me look like a genius. Scouts in front office. Well, we have about $43 million to spend. So what do you want to do? Who do you, who do you want to get? Also, keep in mind, we have other needs, sir. Elway, there's only one need. Scouts in front office people. What about edge rushers and offensive linemen and weapons for the new quarterback and our secondary, sir? We'll figure it out later. Must get quarterback. It's going to be, I'm telling you, it's going to be nuts. It's going to be nuts to see what these front offices do with this money. Like I said, seven teams have $40 million plus to spend. So there's some teams that can get better on the quickness in a real way. Now, we've been talking about Deshaun Watson for a whole year, basically. You know, not even, but close. You know, it was uh, starting with how uncomfortable it was to watch him play and see the amount of hits he was taking and how his offensive line was porous. Then this news comes out. 
My boy, Jalen Ramsey, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Him and Stephon Gilmore are really kind of one-two in that situation, depending on who you like more. But Jalen Ramsey chimed in. And the reason why he chimed in is because two things. One, they are represented by the same agent. Two, they've had a lot of battles with one another. With uh, Jalen coming from Florida State and Deshaun Watson obviously being the quarterback at Clemson. This is what Jalen Ramsey had to say. Now, this this was on a podcast called Huddle and Flow podcast, so um, I'm getting this, this is an excerpt from that podcast. Jalen, what do you think about Deshaun Watson? Like, he's a great quarterback, um, but I think it's extremely doubtful that Deshaun plays for the Houston Texans again. When they asked him why would Watson not be able to play for the Texans, this is what he said. This is an extremely serious situation. So basically, what is going down is that you got Deshaun Watson still sticking to his guns, still saying, hey, I'm not really feeling what the Texans are doing. Now, the Texans have been true to their word. We are not trading Deshaun Watson. Now, we have a voicemail set up, and there are calls going into that. The Deshaun Watson hotline. Check out the archive pods. Check out last week's pod. And you'll know what I'm talking about. If you're new to the QP Nation community. The best way to know about some of the stuff that goes on. On here on QP Sports Exchange. On Football Friday. Is to get into archive pods. That's what it's all about. Get yourself caught up. With the jokes and with the vocab so you won't be lost and your friend who's trying to listen to said podcast doesn't have to stop it and get you up to date. There are like 46 of those bad boys up there. So go get you some. You know, you got a whole weekend coming up. You should be able to mow through about 15 of them. You know what I'm saying? Maybe next weekend you get through about 12 or whatever. Within about three weeks, you're caught up. You know what's going on. It's going to be all good. So, yeah, the Texans have a a voicemail set up. So, you would leave a a voicemail about your trade. (laughs) And supposedly they have not checked it. Okay. But Deshaun is sticking this to his guns. He's saying that he has a lack of trust of the organization, that the Texans cannot surround him with the talent, and he didn't feel that the head coach and offensive coaching staff hires were good philosophy fits for him. I'm still hearing that Miami, and I'm telling you, I don't know why, but Miami still might be in on Deshaun Watson. Like, there might actually be a quarterback swap and picks going to Houston and Deshaun Watson going to Miami. I'm still hearing it. I don't have 
like concrete evidence that is going to happen. But there are rumors out of Dade County that people are still talking about that inside that building. I can't say any more about Houston. This is what Houston should do. And I really almost want to kind of shut up about it until it actually happens. But Houston, if you're listening, Texans organization, if you're listening, this is what you do. You call the Jets. You say, hey, this year's pick, next year's pick, first rounder. And then we'll take 2024's first rounder. And then 2023, we'll take a third rounder. And you can have Deshaun Watson. Done deal. You know what I'm saying? Done deal. Just get it done. Get your picks. Your team just needs a complete overhaul anyway. You just got a new staff. Don't have Deshaun Watson, you know, hanging over your head. And here's the thing. Deshaun is well within his right. You know, he got the bag. But you know what? The other thing is availability. And he can't be available if he's always constantly running for his life. We got some other quarterback news. Russell Wilson is intrigued by Chicago. And Chicago is all in on Danger Russ. That's right. I said it. Follow him on Twitter. Danger Russ. This is what Wilson likes. He likes the Bears emerging offensive line. He said that the coaching staff is a solid offensive minded, you know, philosophy. He likes uh, Matt Nagy. And he also likes the market of Chicago. Chi-Town. Russ likes the Windy City. Russ also likes the opportunity of not being hit a million times as well. So the ball is in Pete Carroll's court. And the choices that the front office and the uh, brain trust in Seattle, it's all up to you. If they get him help in the draft, he stays. You know, he wants he wants upgrades on the offensive line. That's what he wants. If they don't get it, this is going to be a messy, messy divorce. There's going to be some hurt feelings. And I'm going to tell you, we have not heard from Mrs. Wilson as of yet. Really. We have not seen Ciara go full diva mode and say, I want my husband out of Seattle. Telling you, when that lady starts going off, it's going to be some serious problems. And Seattle phones will be so hot from them dialing out, trying to get rushed traded. More notes from the NFL. The Broncos are franchising their pro goal safety, Justin Simmons. The 27-year-old will receive approximately $13.3 million with the franchise tag. Simmons wants a long-term deal 
and he deserves it. This kid has played his butt off. Um, he's one of the better safeties in the league. We haven't heard a lot about him because, uh, you know, the team struggled last year for Denver. They were looked to make some noise, and they didn't. So that guy deserves a long-term deal, and I hope that he gets it. But he got his $13.3 million with the franchise tag. In other safety news, Bills Mafia, what's up? Micah Hyde has just signed a two-year extension worth $19.25 million. Hyde is always around the ball. He's breaking up passes. He's making critical tackles on third down so his defense can get off the field. So I think this is a good deal for both teams. So Bills Mafia, what do you think about that? Micah Hyde, two years, $19.25 million. Hit me up on Twitter, QPP Network, on Instagram and Facebook, Question Point Pod Network. And I look forward to seeing how hyped you are about Micah Hyde. Now here's a story that I want to get to because... I'm really excited about it. And this is a little college football for you. So you're welcome. It's some draft stuff too. It's like all it's like a it's like a mashup. You know, draft stuff, college, whatever the case may be. So enjoy it. Georgia cornerback, Eric Stokes, ran a four two five forty in his forty yard dash. That is .03 seconds off the record that is held by John Ross, who was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals, the speedster wide receiver out of Washington. Now, my boy Eric Stokes is not just a fast dude, okay? He was first team all SEC, you know what I'm saying? He had four interceptions last year. Two, he took to the hissy. He took it to the hizzy, baby. Two of them. Two tutties. Two tutties taking it to the house. House calls twice. You know what I'm saying? Now, Pro Football Focus has Stokes as a career overall grade of 90.5. They have his coverage grade at a 90.1. Those are all upper echelon cornerbacks in the National Football League. With that 425, that 425 second 40 made that kid a lot of money. I don't know where he was in the draft. I'm going to have to look it up. I'll get to it, have it next week. But I bet you he moved up a ton of slots by running at 425. Because if you remember what John Ross was, he was a speedster, but he was a little guy. You know, slight. Coming out of Washington. And they knew he was fast. But when he ran that 4-2-2. That's what got him into the first round. That dude was not a first rounder. Until he ran that 4-2-2. Now he's been. You know he struggled with injuries. And he hasn't really shown that potential. But that's what got him his initial bag was running that 4-2-2. 
So kudos to Eric Stoltz. Kudos to the Georgia Bulldogs producing this young man. And hopefully he'll be playing on Sunday and he'll be drafted early. So he'll get a lot of burn either with the first team or some sort of nickel package with the team that he ends up with. Speaking of the combine, the combine is going to be virtual this year, right? So you're not going to have like all these kids show up to Indianapolis. They shut down Lucas Oil Stadium and, you know, you got a bunch of football players and player personnel people and scouts running around trying to get measurements and, you know, uh, what is it, long jumps, stats, bench presses, medicals, 40-yard dash times, all that. So they're going to do it virtually. So Zoom call, you know what I'm saying, I guess. Maybe a Google Hangout, maybe. I don't know. They're going to do something. But I think it helps the college football player because, you know, unless you are requested to do something that wasn't on your script, you know what I'm saying? And I think they're going to have real control over what the scouts see. You know what I'm saying? So he they might not do certain things. Who knows? I have no idea. They haven't really told us how it's going to all play out. But if you're scripting it yourself, you know your weaknesses and your strengths more than anybody else. So if you don't want to throw that 20 yards, that 20 yard out, if you're a quarterback, you don't have to. It's virtual. Man, like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Just being pressed with the wizardry and the sorcery of me getting it out quicker. Showing you how adaptable I am to multiple defenses and stuff like that. This virtual um, combine is going to be crazy. It's going to be bananas. Now, invites, right? Invites are important. The reason why they are important, because this is also helping with recruiting. Okay? Saying, hey, I had like 12 people in the combine invite or whatever the case may be, that stakes your claim to saying, hey, I get people to the league. That's what I do. I get people to the NFL. That's why you should come to my school and play for me so I can get you to the NFL. The Ohio State Buckeyes have 14 players invited to the virtual combine. That's number one. Congratulations to Ryan Day and his program. And congratulations to those 14 men that are a step closer to realizing their NFL dreams. Kudos to you guys. Hard work. Job well done. Thank you. I'm sure Buckeye Nation thanks you for all the tremendous work you did in your two or three or four years on campus. So go wreck it in the NFL. There were three schools tied for 11 invites. Bama, Georgia, and those Golden Domers 
of Notre Dame. <laughs> this probably just made Bama head coach Nick Saban just all red-faced and mad because of the fact that Ohio State beat him out for the most combine invites. He's probably cracking the whip on his staff and his, you know, equipment managers and any poor uh, kid that's sitting there in the weight room. You got to be doing that with some energy. We only had 11 combine invites. Next year, we go for the record. We're going to have like 18 people invited to the combine, you know, to the combine. I can see it now. I see Nick Saban working mad, just so red-faced about being upstaged by those pesky Ohio State Buckeyes. (laughs) Man, I'm telling you. That guy brings a lot of energy, and that guy has a lot of competing in him, and he just does not quit, man. He's like that girl from the ring, you know? You saw that horror movie, right? Whether you saw the American version or the Japanese version, that girl just never slept. And Nick Saban is getting it done, and he's just doing it every single year. Another number one recruiting class. But yeah, he must be real bent about not having the most combine invites. Football Friday Late Edition. If you're just joining us because you know what I'm about to talk about. If you're like, what is he talking about Late Edition? Well, there were some issues at the house. Go back to the beginning of the podcast and listen to the opening and you'll know what happened. So my last thing tonight is this. I'm going to speak directly to the Pac-12 chancellors and presidents of the university and decision makers for those 12 schools. Memo to the Pac-12. Get a move on with naming a commissioner. Because we got a lot of work to do, Pac-12. You know what I'm saying? All that. West Coast bias or whatever. Got to get a person in here to go ahead and start making these changes so we can be a dominant conference. So you can get closer to the SEC and the Big Ten and the ACC. So a couple weeks ago, I spoke about this as well. At that point in time, you know, there were six candidates and, you know, I thought we were paring down and I thought that, you know, maybe now or maybe in a couple of days we would have an answer. But at least you would know like a, a general date of when they were going to announce their new commissioner 
of the Pac-12. As of right now, there hasn't been a peep out of San Francisco, which is where Pac-12 headquarters reside in. It doesn't seem that there is a collective on what we need specifically in a commissioner for the Pac-12. Key points again to Pac-12. I should send a, a, a strongly worded email to everybody in the Pac-12. What I'm going to do it by podcast because it's more entertaining that way. And people end up laughing. So the key points to whomever is going to get the job. But these are the things as a Pac-12 decision maker when you're on that tribunal council and you're going to go ahead and put the fire out for the person on uh, Survivor. They should do the Pac-12 job hunt like Survivor. The tribal council has spoken. You are not in the running for the Pac-12 commissioner's job. Oh. What? Who sold me out? Can you imagine? That's how it went down. That's how we got our Pac-12 commissioner. We did it Survivor style. Jeff Probst. Is sitting there extinguishing your flame with a coconut tied to a stick. Sorry, uh, athletic director of Alabama. You don't get the job. The tribunal council has spoken. Ah. <laughs> Sorry, Gene Smith of Ohio State. You don't get the job. Tribal has spoken. Then we end up with somebody we don't even know. Hopefully we're not in a worse place that Larry Scott left us. But here's the key things to the commissioner coming in. And these are the things that they should talk about with that commissioner or the proposed commissioner. One, new TV contract. Okay? We talked about it and what it needs to be. It needs to be tied to one of these stations And you need to get TV time in that 3.30 Eastern time slot. That's where you need to be. Okay, I'm not telling you to have kids, you know, up at 5 o'clock in the morning. And we're going to run a game at 9 a.m. on the West Coast. But you know what? These kids playing at 12.30... So it's 3.30 Eastern Standard Time. So we got eyeballs in Georgia. We got eyeballs in the Carolinas. We got eyeballs in New York. We got eyeballs in Pennsylvania. And they can see the weather mostly, right? Because a lot of our weather is great. You know, the Arizona schools, their weather be awesome mostly. Obviously, UCLA, USC, the weather should be great mostly. Cal and Stanford, the weather should be pretty good. Early in the year, Oregon will look pretty. Washington State, the Palouse, awesome. Colorado will look pretty regardless. Snow-capped mountains and things of that nature. And then we got the friendly people, Utah. Go Utes. We got to get eyes to the eastern part of the country so... 
you know, the incredible talent in the Pac-12 can be shown. So I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be Fox. I don't know if it's going to be ESPN. I don't know if it's going to be TBS. I don't know. Listen, come on after the 12 episodes of Big Bang Theory on TBS. I don't care. As long as you're getting, you know, people can find you, one. Two, those 330 games are very important to the Pac-12 and going forward. They need to be a regular staple of that 1230 slot on national TV to get eyes to the conference. Second thing. Mandate standards of athletic facilities to keep up with the SECs, the ACCs, and the Big Tens of the world. So, I don't know where you're going to find the money in the coffers or who, which booster you're going to call or alumni or what have you. Now, Oregon, they got, they got Phil Knight and they got some Matt Knight. Um, so, you're going to get, their facilities are going to be awesome. So you don't have to worry about that. USC and UCLA, Stanford, Cal, the Washington schools, Oregon State, maybe, Colorado, Utah, the Arizona schools. All these places need to make sure that if you're looking at Clemson or if you're looking at Oregon, look at Oregon. Just look literally in your backyard. Look at Oregon. Okay. Go up there, okay, this is the athletic facility, got the training, got the cafeteria over there, there's a smoothie machine, there's, uh, you know, connectors for phones and tablets and laptops over there. Whatever state of the art is, there has to be whether you have to get to, you know, a lofty, lofty status, or there's a... You know, there's a minimal of where you need to be. We just can't have schools like all the Texas schools sitting there with like, you know, $50 billion training facilities. And in the Pac-12, we're sitting here going like, well, you know, we got a uh, we got some bands. Uh, we got some we got those big balls that you can throw around or jump on or hop on. But that's about it. If we want to compete with the SEC, the ACCs, and the Big Tens of the world, the athletic facilities need to be top-notch. And there should be something with uh, monies that come from, you know, bowl games or uh, March Madness appearances or whatever. It should go into, like, a, a fund. And it should, like, accrue. And then that money should be doled out to the schools. And when they need to improve on their athletic departments or whatever. Or get them up to snuff or whatever the case may be. So we can all compete on the same level as some of these other schools. There needs to be a rebranding of the Pac-12. Okay. I don't know if it's logo. I don't know if it's a social media blast. I don't know if it's different colors of the logo I don't know you need some sort of uh paid you know approval of like Patrick Stewart or somebody like that or 
Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman's always good. Can you imagine the voice, basically the voice of God, saying the Pac-12 is awesome. You should come to these schools. The reason why is because God says so. As Morgan Freeman. Whatever they need to do, they need to bring some sort of excitement. There needs to be some uptick in social media um, promotion for the schools in the Pac-12. Maybe if you're not going to use social media, maybe smoke signal. That always works, right? Or you could use Morse code. You know? That's effective. They use it in wartime. Listen, whatever you need to do to get recruits and donors and boosters' eyes to your product, do it. So, Morse code all day long. Smoke signal all day long. Use Facebook, Instagram, hell, use some TikTok. I don't care. Get your brand right. And the last thing is expansion. Okay? Expansion is key in the Pac-12. It has to happen. We're going to compete with the SEC and all these other big conferences, the rest of the Power Five. We got to get some Texas schools. All right? So, I don't care if it's your dream scenario of Texas and Oklahoma and then who, whomever else you want to stick with them. Or some kind of combination of TCU, SMU, Houston, BYU, Baylor, Oklahoma State. You got to get a couple of Texas schools. Or the school in Texas, which is the University of Texas in Austin. You want your recruits to know that the Pac-12 is home. So you want those Texas recruits to know. There's no reason to go to the SEC. There's no reason to go to the ACC. There's no reason to go to the Big Ten. You can just do it all in the Pac-12, and you can you can see all of Los Angeles. Hell, you'll get up to Washington. You'll see that. You'll get over to the Rockies, so you'll get some cold. So, you know, when they say, "Hey, you don't play in like cold weather," well, I played in Colorado this year. You know what I'm saying? I played at Washington State. It sucked up there, but you need to get. You need to get some Texas schools in that expansion. The dream scenario is that you get, let's say, something like Texas, Texas Christian University, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State, right? And then maybe the Big 12 turns into the old Southwestern Conference minus Oklahoma and Texas, and then they can have Houston, you know, SMU, whatever the case may be. However, Pac-12 needs to do it to make it Pac, the Pac-16. 
the one critical piece is that you want Texas involved. And it would be smart also to get that other school in Utah, which is BYU. It would be cool to have that. The reason why you want BYU, there seems to be a strong, strong Samoan contingency coming from Utah. So if they're not in Hawaii, a lot, lot of the Samoan people live in Utah. A lot of them live in California as well. But the thing about it is, is that you want to make sure that your recruiting pool is as big and vast as you can possibly make it. And that's what the Pac-12 needs to do. Here's the thing. It's very unfortunate. There's not a lot of ESPN 300s coming out of Oregon. And there's not a lot of ESPN 300s coming out of the state of Washington. Okay? There's not a lot of them. But you know where there are some? There's some in California. Duh. And we got the four schools to prove it. And then you got Texas. Okay? Texas, if you had California and Texas as part of your recruiting footprint, and it was a staple of where you could go, because you could say, hey, listen, the University of Texas doesn't want you, but Arizona has a has a scholarship for you, and you get to play Texas every year, you know? And you get to stick it to them and show them what they were missing. These are the type of things that go on in recruiting, and these are the type of things that jazz these recruits. These are young people. They want to they want to feel loved, they want to feel supported, and they want to feel wanted. And we need to do a better job in the Pac-12 to get those kids here and keep them here and just build a wall and be like, "Listen, SEC, you you got enough you got enough talent base in Florida, Georgia, Alabama, the Carolinas, Tennessees, the Louisianas of the world. You can't have Texas too. You got to make a stand. And the Pac-12 has it in their, they have it in their DNA to do that. They just need to go ahead and do it. Go ahead and play big boy. Do it. Throw some money around. Do what you need to do. But the first and foremost thing that needs to do needs to have happen is there needs to be a commissioner in place. And these are the things that they should talk about. And these are the things that you should have ironed out. So the commissioner of your league knows exactly what their job description is. And to execute that job description they will have formulated some sort of um, dossier for you in the meeting, and they can give you like an eight-point way of how they're going to get all this done. So that's my rant on the Pac-12 expanding and what they need to do to get that conference on top. And again, Memo to the Pac-12 power brokers. Let's get off your arse and get us a commissioner and start reclaiming the the West 
and not have all these kids from California going all the way to Carolina or Alabama or Ohio State or Oklahoma unless Oklahoma's in the Pac-12. You can do it if you're in the Pac-12. You can go from Cali to Oklahoma. But if you're not in the Pac-12, nope, you got to stay here. We got to make that happen. We got to make these kids want to be here. And the only way to do that is with facilities, making them feel wanted, making them feel like we, we're talking to them because they, they dig on that social media. They dig on that. You got to hit them with that. And these are things that have to be put in place. So that is my myself stepping off the soapbox. And I'm glad that you guys were able to listen to it. That is the end of QP Sports Exchange for Friday. Again, late night edition. We have some issues here at the house. But it's all good. And it's pretty much over. So with that being said, be good to yourself. Take care of you. Read a book. Listen to some music. Meditate. Pray. uh, Talk to a friend. Whatever it is that you do. Get yourself Keep yourself together because when you're good, the impact that you can make on other lives is very important. That leads us to our next thing. You know, take care of our neighbors and our community. Okay? Lend a hand. Um, be present in conversations because people need to be, need to have the feeling that they're being listened to, that they're being heard. One of the problems in this country is that people are disenfranchised. They don't feel like they're being heard. So having that couple minutes for your neighbor doesn't hurt. If you can, you know, if you can, because here's the third part. If you have it in your means, whether it's with time or with your checkbook, do some good in your community. There are a lot of places out there. They're doing a lot of good things, helping out the community, whatever your cause is, it, it's all positive. If you if you were if you're a kid and you were raised by a single mother and you want to help out single mothers, do that. If you want to help out people who are homeless, do that. If you want to help out people who are hungry, do that. QP Nation. Is a great community. Got a lot of great people in it. We are in 19 different countries. So kudos to the QP Nation community for growing. We're getting those downloads. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming slowly. But they're coming. And we need to get more engaged on the social media. All right. So QPP Network is my Twitter handle and Question Point Pod Network is my Facebook and IG handle. Please hit me up. Now, one thing that I talked about on Who Questions Monday is that we were going to have a new segment and I'm going to end the podcast with this segment. This segment is now called No Question About It. And what it is, is to spotlight an individual, a company or entity that's doing some really positive things 
um, outside of whatever it is that they do. And this week's, no question about it, recipient is the one and only Aaron freaking Rodgers. And the reason why he is the no question about it recipient of the week is because he gave a million dollars to help out small businesses. And he said that small businesses were the backbone of America. And he just knew that he had to do something with his platform and with his dollars. So kudos to Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers for being our first, no question about it, recipient of the week. We do this on Football Friday. I did take tell the hoop heads out there that we were going to do this. And I'm going to tell the football fans out there, listen, it doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't have to be Denzel Washington. It doesn't have to be Scarlett Johansson. It doesn't have to be the members of NSYNC. It doesn't have to be the members of DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. It can be anybody. If you're doing something positive in your community or you know somebody who's doing something positive in their community, you hit me up with the information on my Twitter, which is QPP Network, or on Instagram and Facebook, Question Point Pod Network, and they will be spotlighted on this show. It only happens on Friday. Um, I save it for the end of the week because you never know who might come up and do something awesome on Wednesday or Thursday. So I save it to the end of the week. So that's our first, uh, no question about it, recipient of the week, Aaron Rodgers. Congratulations to Aaron Rodgers. I love you, bro. Keep doing your thing. That was such a monumental thing, man. And I'm so happy and I'm so grateful and I'm so overjoyed that you decided that you know you're gonna help out your fellow man and give to small businesses and gave that million dollars of cold hard cash and help those people out because that's what we need a lift up and with that being said we are done this podcast is over i like to thank all the listeners out there i like to thank you for all your patience i like to thank you for just dealing with this wacky schedule I have and like I said sometimes you know what I'm human and I can't get everything done myself I had to call in an expert to get my house situation squared away all right you guys have a great weekend and we will catch you on Monday for hoop questions Monday and I am out